Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast presented by BioSteel and powered by GoGoat Sports. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall, and uh, my guest today, uh, he has been a recurring guest throughout the playoffs and uh, he's been on, been on with us uh, many times before. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion, hockey analyst with Roger Sportsnet and a consultant, was a consultant with the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, we got Mike Fuda back with us. Uh, Foods, how's it going? Good, Josh. How you keeping? Pretty good, pretty good. I owe you uh, quite the apology for last week's uh, mishap on my end of trying to do an interview very early in the morning and and uh, being not uh, not awake with me being uh, away from uh, my homestead here, but uh, back at home. So uh, we got three great interviews this week with you. So this is one of three. So uh, we're looking forward. Yeah, thank God it wasn't the prom. I would have been really upset. <laughs> exactly right. So. Um, but, uh, some exciting news though, is, uh, your boy Toff and your boy Luch and good friends of our podcast, uh, representing hockey Canada over at the worlds. And, uh, big news this morning is, uh, Tyler Toffoli is going to wear the C and Luch is going to wear the A. So, uh, thoughts on, uh, these, uh, two great people, uh, representing hockey Canada and hopefully they bring home the gold for us. It'll be a good experience. I mean, uh, honestly, Tyler, I don't believe even in, in, in his youngest stages did he ever wear a C. So this is kind of a testimony. Uh, first of all, it's good on him to be playing in it. I mean, a lot of the guys that have, uh, have won at the World Championships and have had long, tough seasons tend to, uh, especially going into option year contracts, tend to find ways not to play in it. So I'm actually more proud. I know Ty had turned it down in the past when he was in L.A., just really proud of him taking on the challenge. I mean, you look at it as a pretty young roster. So uh, this will be a good chance for him to exercise uh, some of the great leaders that he's been around in his time throughout. You know, he's been across. It's hard to imagine now how many Canadian teams he's played for on top of his time in Vancouver, but good for him. I mean, he'll take it seriously. And uh, it, I think it should be a really fun experience for him. And the big fellow, that'll be a, uh, the big bear on the with the half visor on the on the Olympic with the visor. I have to say, I feel sorry for anybody that gets caught in the train tracks over there. But again, you know, these guys have they've had a long year. Obviously, it's been well documented. So anytime you can go represent your country, I probably think it's got to be years since Luch has donned the jersey. So mm-hmm. as you get up there in years, and I, I don't think there's any thoughts in his mind of retiring yet, but uh, it'll be a really memorable experience for him and his family, I'm sure. So. Gives me a reason to uh, lose more sleep watching another hockey game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it should be fun for all of us. It's nice to see any time the Canadian jerseys are firing out there in the ice. There's been a lot canceled over the last couple of years. So it's just exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, one more on this before we move to the uh, NHL theme here. But uh, would you say this is somewhat of an audition for uh, Tyler Toffoli going into next year? Maybe, uh, you know, what's obviously is the Flames not having a captain and somewhat being well documented that uh, they, they hope that there's a captain for next season. Do you think, uh, you know, he had an amazing year. Would you say some of this is an audition for him or, or how do you view that situation foods? It's, I don't look at it as an audition. I look at it as an honor. I mean, obviously uh, Donnie Maloney's going through his process of, um, you know, hiring a new general manager and, uh, and then there's going to be a new coach hired who I think, is going to have a lot of say. I do think it's necessary to have a captain uh, at this stage where things they've gone through. Uh, 
Uh, but again, there's some other great candidates there as well. I mean, I, anytime that I've kind of done my homework or due diligence with the Calgary Flames, the name Michael Backlund comes to the surface as a guy that's kind of, he's been the captain there for quite some time uh, without the consonant on his jersey. And someone like Chris Tanev comes to mind too. You want somebody who's just massively consistent, uh, vocal leader. And sometimes with players like Ty, who are, um, who are really focused on doing their job and scoring goals, you got to be careful throwing too much added added stuff on their plate that might get them away from their number one, especially on a team that needs him to score goals. So yeah. not that he wouldn't be uh, thought to be the captain and I'd certainly be very proud of him, but I think there's some really good candidates other than him in Calgary as well. Yeah. What have you thought of Michael Backman throughout his career? Obviously over 900 games now, um, all with the Calgary flames, what's your thoughts on him and what he's uh, been able to kind of do in his career and, and transition into this one of the, the best two way players this game has right now. Well, in general, I have this, uh, I mean, a lot of people have it as just the really love of the Swedish hockey player in general and their and their their passion and love for their game, their passion and love for fitness. And for me, Michael Backlund, again, it's something we don't see a lot in, in today's individual player is just consistency. Um, and I think the one thing that Michael Backlund has brought throughout his career is consistency, um, class. Um, I think he truly looks like he takes um, he takes a lot of pride in the fact that he's only played for one team, uh, the Calgary Flames. I know I think he's got a one year left before he's a UFA. So I think that's whoever goes in there. That's one of their key things is to get in front of Michael Backlund and make sure that he's a big part of the Calgary Flames future. Uh, but what, just when you hear about it, same things as certain players age, they realize even though they've been fit all along, they've got to really take care of themselves physically in all accounts with him. He's in incredibly fit player. He's usually someone you can call his number up because he's always, he doesn't miss a lot of hockey games. And again, I just think he's one of those special things moving forward that the Calgary Flames should really look at locking up for the rest of his career. Mutz fans. So much going on right now in the live sporting events, concerts, everything going on. You know, you got wrestling events, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got hockey coming back, like so much going on. So use the promo code two months pod. When you guys go to SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and get $20 off your purchase for these live events. You guys won't be disappointed. They'll help you on the bucks. You know, save that $20, get you a couple beers, maybe have some popcorn, whatever you want for that, saving that $20 going in. And, you know, use these live events, man. There's so much going on right now. Uh, this is the greatest time. Um, all these sports are firing back up. So all four major sports will be ready to go. Then you guys got the Drake concerts, the T-Swift concerts. There, there's so much happening right now. So, so many great events to be a part of. So don't be disappointed when you guys go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code two months pod all capitals that's the promo code two months pod all capitals to get twenty dollars off your purchase foods uh you know thoughts on the oilers uh, game last night and kind of what you what you saw um of that game and kind of a bit of a theme here where some of the inconsistency goaltending is playing a factor in some of these games where we're having some high scoring games here in the second round too to quote Sheldon Keith, baffling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the word of the week. I just, uh, thank God I'm not a betting man. I just, um, the lack of ebbs and flows. I mean, everybody talks about how important it is to grab momentum in a playoff series. And just when you think you've seen something that is clearly a momentum shift, it comes out the complete opposite. And I mean, 
Uh, good on some of these teams that can find it because I literally thought after game two in Vegas, the way that, you know, clearly the way Dry's Idol's been playing, just in general, the way they've been flowing along, you know, there haven't been too many worries about Skinner and Net. And then, I mean, to come out, you know, to see Brassot, who's been kind of the guy, him go down and just think, okay, everything should kind of be shifting. Here we come with the Oilers. And just to not, to not really bring it in any respect is pretty frustrating. And I, again, you got to give credit because when you start to look at some of these blue lines, like the Vegas blue line is special, right? When Petrangelo's playing the way he can, I mean, obviously I've got Alec Martinez, I think is a complete warrior. Um, and then you start to look at, you know, the Theodores and the, and the McNabb and then, and the white, white horse is like, these are big horses. And I mean, I know I'm missing another, but it's like, honestly, they're tough to play against. And yeah. They don't see, it seems interchangeable. Like I was texting with Jonathan Quick, uh, trying to figure out, I couldn't figure out who the backup was when Brissot was playing and, uh, and Quickie was upstairs as number three. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's worse things in the world than having Jonathan Quick in your bullpen if Aiden Hill doesn't get the job done. But I'm just amazed at how goaltending it's like, I think we talked, I know we've talked about it before, but I, I believe there's only two teams in the playoffs left that are, have their actual designated starter from the start of the year, starting games in the playoffs for them. And a lot of them have their third in. Uh, so it's like you change channels and you got to make sure you have your program with you. I mean, the other, you know, we were singing in praises about um, anti-Ranta in round one. And then, oh my God, how are they starting? How are they starting? Uh, Freddie in round two, and all of a sudden you flick the channel back and catch Kev's in it. So it's like, it's it's one of those areas that I mean, and we get we're going to talk about the Leafs and stuff too. But it, it's in a, the one thing that when we were winning uh, was such a completely calming thing, and it wasn't that we didn't have great goalies, but you're never ever even thinking about Jonathan Quick not being the starter. And uh, obviously Tampa had the same spoiled feeling, and I just find it exceptionally unique. Now I'm not throwing any. Dust on Skinner, but uh, you think he's got to be a little, bit, a little bit better. They got to be a little bit more consistent. And it, it, it's just such a small window, again, for your team to have success. And now we went from, you know, taking a deep breath and saying, wow, imagine the Oilers and the Leafs in a Stanley Cup, Canadian Stanley Cup final to saying, we better watch out for this Vegas team because they're on a mission too. Their mission this year was to win, to win big. And they had to overcome a lot of injuries. And slowly but surely, they've kind of got themselves back in a healthier situation other than their goaltending, but it's deep enough to not be a huge red flag. And now, you know, Edmonton's, they're almost put themselves in a, you don't, you don't want to go down three to one to a team like Vegas. Uh, and then obviously we know what's going on in Toronto. So consistency is such a huge factor and, uh, and we're not seeing much of it. I don't know whether you call it entertaining or uh, I'd throw it back for, I'd love a, even if it was, a, I know coaches wouldn't want to hear it, but even if it was like five, four or, or late tight or something, but it seems like we're just trading blowouts and it's really, really hard to fathom. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously Elliot uh, went into the broadcast last asking last night or suggesting last night, obviously we've seen Vegas have their best in game one. The Oilers had their best in game two. Now do we get uh, the teams, the both teams show up in game three. And uh, unfortunately the Oilers uh, did not, uh, show up as the Vegas golden Knights uh, Twitter account said, uh, hi Edmonton. We're here, but we cannot see you. So as <laughs> the, the good old Twitter machine, uh, going back and forth as, uh, 
is the Oilers. Is that, Josh, does that not sound like the same? Uh, I think Elliot said the exact same thing, and and this is not a kid Elliot because he's right, but it's like remember the Tampa Toronto series. We kept saying, well, we're trading blowouts here, and we haven't seen the real, you know, will the real Leafs, and then when it happens in both teams' A games, really show up. What's going to happen? And we really never saw that. No, no, no. <laughs> you really there was did. one team standing with both teams playing pretty close to their B games. Yeah, yeah. Now, with Edmonton, like I, I, you know, I was driving back from Fort McMurray, and so I was listening to the first period on uh, six thirty, Chad, and um, you know, Jack and Bob, um, you know, do the call. But there's just something was interesting, and it's up to you to comment on this, and 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 if not, it's all good. But it's just something that stood out to me, and 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 it feels like in this market at times, Vegas doesn't get enough credit here here in Alberta which I don't get why because um, they've been besides the last year where they didn't make the playoffs, they've been always been a pretty good playoff team. And yes, they've, ha- they've gone to a cup final and they've have interchanged some of that roster over, but the comment Jack Michaels had made is said, if Vegas loses this game tonight, their season's done. But if the Oilers lose this game tonight, their season isn't done. They'll be okay going forward. I just, it was a tough comment to kind of hear and, and I don't, I don't know where where you come out on that. I know it's a bit of a homer broadcast, and I'm not trying to jab Jack Michaels up, and I'm not trying to put you in a tough position. But I just I just don't know where the maybe the the lack of respect because I do think the others get so much respect in a lot of other markets that I disagree with. Because I listen to a lot of Toronto radio, and I disagree with the comment of if you walk up to nine people in Toronto. Three of them know about what's going on with Edmonton, but they, the rest of it is they just they're so involved in what's going on with the Leafs. I think you know there's there's no set there's no when you talk about top fifty players, Connor and Leon are number one and two, and then there's a whole different category over here, in my opinion. And I think that due is due to really the respect that the, what those guys can do during a regular season, but also in the in the playoffs. But I just wonder what your kind of take is, common is. Um, do you, do you see at times some teams in the lack of respect at times, how, how that looks? Well, I guess it depends what seat you're sitting in. I mean, I mean, fans in general, they've got their team and then they look at other teams in different shades. Like I've seen you sweat through some, some leaf games and stuff. Yeah. And I, and it's not a thing. I just, ever since I started working in the league, I, I, I became more a fan of individual players. So I never really had that unless my team, the team that was paying me, I was watching. I didn't really have that, that, you know, that feeling of the, you know, the, the, whatever, the pilot from airplane sweating, watching a hockey game. Uh, but I mean, being in Vegas's division, I was always amazed again at, at the blue line. They built, everybody talks about building from the back out. And as I said, that's, it's pretty hard when that team's going, they can, they've got a little bit of everything. And I mean, you know, Petrangelo went through some personal things off the ice there with his, with his kid and, and, yeah. uh, and for obvious, I mean, that's nothing to do, but he looks like he's, he's back and playing Petro kind of hockey. And you think about this, the, again, they're just a deep, deep blue line with a whole bunch of different looks. I mean, Alec Martinez kind of a la Mark Giordano is a shot blocking machine. Um, and, and again, if you can get good goaltending, which is the just good, really good goal. They don't, I don't think in that lineup you, with that back end, uh, you really need a superstar goalie, but it's amazing when they get consistent goaltending that they're, they're hard to beat. Yeah. And again, I disagree with Jack's comments because I think that I think that there's such a huge expectation. Like you know, Seattle, they're just blowing people away with what they're doing, and it is so fun to watch. But I don't think there was an expectation 
that they have to win a Stanley Cup this year in order for it to be a success. And I guess it's kind of cheesy saying house money because they're that good that you're not probably not giving them them enough credit at this point in the season. But I don't think that the the sun, you know, the 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 sky is going to fall if they don't continue to play at the level they are. However, I think there's an accountability factor that's going on in Vegas that if they don't succeed, they're not looking at one round as a success there. They this is a must-win round for them. And I believe the Oilers are in the same situation. So there's two franchises that are heavily looking to advance to at least the conference finals or the, or the Stanley Cup finals. And there maybe there's a different feel between wearing that, you know, bearing that weight on a nightly basis or every second night, how important these games just are to the future, the future of your franchise. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't write out the Vegas Golden Knights at all. Uh, when you start to think of the depth they have and, you know, Mark Stone. And at one point, I mean, Jack Eichel's kind of faded away from that, you know, that player that is must see, but he's still a damn good player and he's a higher level player. And I think there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulders for what he wants to bring to the table too, because he's kind of fallen out of that elite, elite player status conversation that he was once a part of. Yeah. Now, you know, in some comments last night and, and great and great insight, what you just said there um, to the Oilers, um, you know, when, Leon and Connor are off. This is what this team looks like. You know, there's really no other, you know, Hyman had a rough Hyman looked like he got banged up from that hit from Nicholas Hag. And um, we'll see if uh, you'll see if he's, he's good to go. He did finish the game, but he was laboring pretty good in the broad and, and Kelly Rudy kind of uh, shadowed some of those plays in the broadcast last night, but uh, in the intermission, um, how much more, you know, we talk about the depth here, the five on five play. We know what this team can do on the power play, but if they're not firing at all cylinders, five on five foods, is this series over? Like, do they have a chance? You know, Nuge has no goals. He has six assists in this, in the playoffs. Where are you at with their five on five play? And it's been a concern for quite a few years now with this organization too. Well, when it's being balanced off with a 60% power play, you can feel a little bit differently about it. But uh, yeah. again, if you find ways to stay out of the penalty box and, and nullify, forget the power play, but just the power play opportunities, you're in tough. But I, I don't foresee, I think this team has got enough depth to be effective. Um, and uh, again, they've got a little bit more crashing and banging and muck going on with their bottom guys. But I, I've noticed Nugent Hopkins. It's not like somebody that I, I think he's, He's given it right. I just don't think the numbers are there right now. Um, yeah. So I'm not as concerned about him. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Yakamoto. I'd like to see a little less. I'd like to see a little best ch- chatter. I, I'd like to see Evander Kane put his elbow pads on and, and, and go to this guy has been so unbelievably good um, that yeah. I just don't need to see him. I, and I don't care what he does with the opponents, but the, the inner, interacting with the fans and the different things that bring attention to you for other things other than just playing the game. I just think he's got to get back to just being the great player that he's been over the course of his uh, year and a half stay with the Oilers and, and forget about the theatrics. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all team wear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. 
Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code 2MUTS at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, Florida Panthers Toronto Maple Leaf series. Um, you know, Jeff Merrick brought this up, I think, on his podcast. He had a friend that texted him said that this uh, Panthers team is shades of your 2012 team with the LA Kings. Um, do you see any comparables to that uh, that team that you had to this team that we're seeing right now? I think we're bigger and deeper. Um, more leadership and a more consistently great goaltender, but I can see it. It's an obvious one. It's an obvious one when you say that any time a team has to fight all the way down the stretch to get in, um, and there's there's the obvious that when we came in, we were so, it was like every game we played down the stretch was a steel cage match and a battle, and Vancouver had had an asterisk beside themselves for so long that they hadn't been in a battle because they always, they knew where they were the first seed going away. So you could look at that in a sense and say, well, look at Boston. They've known they've broken every world record in hockey. They know they're the first seed, blah, blah, blah. People in Toronto are complaining about this division. You know, how once we get past Tampa Bay, we have to play Boston. So the difference, again, there's similarities in the fact we had the same belief. But we didn't even get, Vancouver didn't even get off the mat against us. I felt Boston was pretty banged up. I mean, I'm not taking any away from Florida because they took, Florida won that series. They won, they beat the team across from them. But um, we physically took it to Vancouver from game one. I think it was a 4-1 series, but it was, we we were rolling. And there was never any question that Jonathan Quick rolled out game one and he played every game of the playoffs. It wasn't a start the series with an Alex Lyon and then flip a coin and find out that Bobrovsky's got something left in the, and, and now Bobrovsky looks like a young Bobrovsky. So as far as the eight seed slaying the one seed and now moving on and looking like you're going to take out the next highest seed, absolutely. It looks similar, but I think the teams were, were very, very different. And uh, again, I, I just, the ability with their team, we had a lot of our skill, uh, like Mike Richards, we had a lot of snot in our skill, right? Yeah. Like Justin Williams, guys are really hard to play against. And I'd see there's a similarity there and not just player for player, but when you look at the guys that are getting it done for, um, you see where, a, you know, where a Sam Bennett and a Tuchuk are such effective guys because of how much smackdown. Matt Green was an in-your-face, nail-spitting defenseman for us where you could that love just being D6 and, and I think, uh, you know, when you look at what Radko Gudis is bringing to the table, it's just a, you know, same thing, just a hard, yeah. hard guy to play against. There, there's, very, there's a lot of similarities, but this Florida team, I tell you, I mean, it, it's uh, the one thing I'll say is our second round, if you want to go back, we swept the St. Louis Blues. And I think there must have been three, uh, three um, 
double overtime or overtime game. So it was no, it was a sweep without the sweep, without the broom. It was a battle. Yeah. And I think the Blues brought their, they were unbelievably good. Uh, and all their top guys were really good. I'm not seeing that out of this Toronto team right now uh, that I'm going to bed at night saying, wow, the best guys have been outstanding. And, uh, and again, I still think it's weird. I don't know how I can possibly think that they can still come back in this series, but they've won four in a row before. I mean, every cliche possible is there that as far as you can win a game, you can win a game. They've <laughs> coming out of your first round. What do you want? You want, I mean, I wrote these things down about, they beat Tampa. They 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 slay the dragon or whatever it's called. Whatever the finally yeah. went around. Uh, they had hadn't played their best hockey, but their top guys put up numbers. So it wasn't like you could say their top guys weren't scoring. Okay, they established clearly who their number one goaltender was going to be in Samsonov. All the depth that was acquired by Dubas was effective. It allowed Sheldon to make changes that were effective. Matthew Nyes was better. Than, than we had ever expected. Um, they somehow regained home ice, which is huge. Uh, it should be huge. And and nobody was injured. They came out of the first round with no injuries compared to some other teams that have lost a bunch of injuries. And now here we are three games into it. We're talking about they've lost home ice. Their best guys aren't playing their best hockey. There's now injuries. There's now doubt. Um, they're now, the, inter the interviews are sounding very much similar to the past interviews about we got to get it going. We just got to win a game. We're playing our best, you know, we're playing our hardest. And, and then on top of it, this whole conundrum or about uh, we brought in all these guys that don't know anything about what this curse is about. Well, right now, they know. all those guys know exactly what they were talking about. So uh, I hope they, I hope they find a way to make it a longer series. Um, if not, it'll certainly be a, it's a crazy city for hockey. And right now, I mean, it's even stranger because usually I think right now this benefits Florida because I think the Leafs to get right back on the ice the next night would benefit them. Mm -hmm. I think after the battle that Florida gauged with Boston and the physical environment of the game, these extra days off in between only invigorate them. And uh, that's a big game Wednesday night. That's going to be a really big game Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. And Elliot talked about on his podcast with Jeff yesterday of how important this, uh, these two day breaks between uh, these games here is so important for Bravosky because apparently he loses 10 pounds during a game and that extra day of recovery is uh, very important to him. So um, I'm, I'm kind of baffled in a way, like, you know, and as a diehard Leafs fan and, you know, cheering for this team ever since I was a kid and, and just, you know, like we, we, I'm used to losing, right? So like losing with this organization is, is nothing new. Um, but losing in this fashion is definitely, definitely new. Cause all these other series that they had before in, in the round in round ones is even with the play in with, with Columbus, like, you know, they're all close games or close series. And sometimes they're dictating, you know, the series and in, in leading it, they have no problem getting the three. It was getting to that, that number four win. And here I'm just like shocked. Like, you know, game three, it was, it was the worst game I've ever seen Mitch Marner play. It was the worst game I've seen Austin Matthew play. Um, you know, Tavares wasn't good. Nylander wasn't good. Ryan O'Reilly, who's won a cup and a con Smythe and, and he wasn't good. I was just shocked to see, and, you know, credit Joseph wall, his agent, Elaine Waugh has always been on our podcast. Uh, and you know, Elaine Waugh through your industry of, 
being a, an executive and an assistant general manager, like Elaine's a great guy and I'm happy his clients getting, you know, some stardom here because I do think Joseph Wall is ready for it. That's one thing I'll agree with Sheldon Keith. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, when the season ends, when it ends for them, that's the conversation of what happens with, you know, certain people in the organization and all that. I think it's, I don't think it's worth having a conversation now, but at the end of the day, these guys got to get going because when they're asking for 11 to $10 million, you know, like Matthews Marner didn't sign the, the, the eight year extensions. They got every dollar that they wanted in, in the short term deals that they've wanted. They're not proving it right now. They need to be better in the playoffs at the end of the day. I don't know where, where you come out on, you know, their play and you know, how tentative they look or, you know, the only thing I can justify foods is if at the end of the season, they come out and there's this injury for this surgery, for this injury, for this surgery. That's the only thing that would justify their play in this round too, but it, it wasn't there in round one. So I don't know what injuries. I don't, I don't think you're going to see that or hear that. I don't think so either, but go ahead. Yeah, but I, in, in fairness, it's funny how you, in the first, like I found Mitch Marner to be far and away the MVP of the regular season. And I felt when the Leafs needed to get going as good as Matthews finished, in the first round, Marner pretty much had a primary assist on every one of his goals. Yeah. So, and I saw that match and I, I like seeing the fact they were back together. Uh, I've done, I haven't minded Bunting's efforts since he came back in. I mean, he should get a reward for the cheap shot on Saranac because they might not be in it if he didn't take that elbow, which was yeah. such a mysterious one in the first round. But I always remember when you, having been so privileged and humbled to have won a couple cups and when you go the two months and uh, I guess it's really your only stress. It's like you watch the players lose 10 pounds a night and stuff. And as far as an executive, you just, you're stressed, right? Because yeah. so much is out of your control. It's not like you can make a trade or anything and you, you want to stay healthy. You can clearly see the emotions with Kyle and how much he cares on the, you know, however it looks to the outside, it's certainly not a lack of caring. Uh, but you look at the the play that uh, when you do your your uh you know your series end rollback and your highlights right you look at plays like the play that matthew nyes made to pull that puck off the goal line right against tampa those are the little ones that kind of get forgot about but they change the whole outcome of a series and now going the other way i'm in disbelief the, the, the play i don't know whether it was the second goal of the the two goal real quick period it must have been game two where marnes makes the pass to, to austin and if you're truly if you're truly have learned from your past, it can't even cross your mind to be trying to flip the puck to yourself and flip it over defenseman at the line. Like that, that play is to me just defines, we haven't, we haven't learned enough from our bad nights. Cause that is so much in their control to just be able to chip that he's talented enough to chip that into the neutral zone and avoid any massive turnover at the defensive blue line. And then that Reinhardt goal, Hey, in the NHL playoffs, nobody should score a goal that he looks like Dean Youngblood. Yeah. Right? We were told we were told in Youngblood that we weren't allowed to hit Rob Lowe or his doubles when they were coming in. <laughs> and that Reinhardt goal looked like Bill Markle, the defector of Youngblood, had told everybody on the Leafs, that's Youngblood. <laughs> Don't hit the big fellow while he's coming in. Yeah. There were so many chances to run him over and finish him off or contain him before he ended up with the rap goal behind the net. I was just frustrating to watch just as a hockey fan. And then when it all ends, you realize that you've now taken yourself and put yourself in a must-win situation. And once again, I think they're capable of doing it, but I'm in absolute to quote Sheldon's word of the week that we're all using. I am baffled that this team 
is looking at the situation they're in right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh man, it's it's interesting. So obviously it's one game at a time mentality. Um, you know, there you're you were a part of the of a team that came back from 03. Um, you know, what you know, kind of you can bring us into that kind of psyche when your team when the Kings were able to do that um and obviously went on to win the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, was there something in that series that changed where, like, how did you guys view that in, in the, in, in the, in that position as executive and, you know, also talking to players, maybe even after the series was done or when you guys won the cup and all these years after. Uh, I think I've told the story and it's probably an easier one for a player. Like it didn't feel, first of all, it didn't feel like we were out of it. Um, we were starting to take over the series. We were just running out of, we run out of air, airway, right? Or runway. Yeah. And then Jonathan Quick, you know, Jonathan Quick made a couple saves when we were down three nothing in the series in game four. And he just basically came to the bench and said, acknowledged that we're winning the series, guys. It's all it's over. We have them right where they want them. And it sounds silly, but the guys that talked about it, they just completely believed it. And it, it from that point on, it wasn't even close. Like we owned them. Yeah. You've got, and I think the biggest decision, and I can't answer this for you, Josh, because it's something as a young player, like that's what's always just blown me away with this leaf, this, this group is just, even if you're selfish and I don't think they're selfish, think about what digging in and playing your best is going to provide the rest of your life with if you succeed in Toronto. Yeah. Like if that doesn't motivate you on your own now for our guys to have already won a cup, then gone the conference final the next year to be sitting there three on oh made millions, you've already got your ring, look up and say, if we find a way to do this, we got another month and a half in the trenches. And there's something's got to go off in your head. And yeah, I'm in, I'm all in. I'm in for another month and a half. And it's still one game a night, but it's like, it's got to be the total amount of mental toughness I give our player, each and every one of them. I mean, the coaching staff to have that resilience, to understand that scoring that next goal it's going to add another one of these and it's another must win. And the funny thing about it is not only did we completely shatter the San Jose sharks thoughts and plans, but we went down three, nothing in every series on the road in 2014 yeah. and came back and won three game sevens on the road. So when you start to just roll out the names of the guys that were there, just start walking them right into the hall of fame as far as, the rings. And I mean, again, I'll talk about it, Justin Williams. And at the time, Kopitar, Doughty, like Scuderi, like Unherald, Green, Stoll, Williams, uh, Carter, Richards. It's like, Kopi and Drew, it's like, and it was like every other year, there was another star that you just could like, uh, Fraz, who was a star in 2012 that we didn't even think was on our team. And then, you know, and then in the next cup to have Marion Gabrick and to Foley and Pearson step up and now the seventies line. So yeah. the decision and, but I just think about the amount of leadership that's surrounding that group. And in fairness, you think about it too. Daryl's at his height there, right? We've, we've all talked about Daryl off the show. That team was strong enough to get through any Daryl Sutter press conference or comment. They were built that mentally tough to do it. Yeah. Right. There was 14 captains there other than Dustin Brown. So now when you look at a team like what's gone through it, you know, and had to go through it with Daryl and, and Calgary, they've, they've got, an, they don't have one guy that they named a captain. 
right? In Daryl's mind, I'm sure he felt he was the captain. So it's time, it's time to step up and take some accountability here. But that to me was one of those decisions that to just to look, you're sitting there, you're battered, you're bruised, you're all got a ring, you got to make a decision. Hey, are we do we really want to do this for another seven, eight weeks? Go through this. And they made the decision they wanted to. They got another ring out of it. Yeah. And that's that's just amazing. And that's to think to win this same cup. So dramatically different times where one year you go up three out in every, in every series. And then the next time you win it, you go down Oh three in every series. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's quite remarkable. It's just, uh, I just remember that moment of cookie going by the sharks bench and just does like, this guy is just a, a, a winner. And, uh, it's the most through. competitive human being I've ever, ever been around. I'll give, you know, I think Drew's up there as well, but when you start to see it, that's why, that's why when I want this leaf team, I want, I mean, I, I want people to start talking about them as not just the most skilled and entertaining leaf team I've ever seen, but I want them to be the most competitive team. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice if, uh, if there was a pushback on Wednesday. We'll see. And obviously we'll be, we'll be back to uh, recap that game on Thursday morning. So, uh, um, the Seattle Kraken, uh, it looks like they got to Jake Ottinger here. Um, thoughts on them again. I know anytime you've been on with us, we're all waiting for the fall off. It just doesn't happen. Their depth scoring is at an all time high right now with 13 different goal scores in the playoffs. Thoughts on what uh, this team's been able to do. I just got to tip my cap to Ronnie Francis and to David Haxtell. Last year, I, I watched this team and I know they were ravaged by injuries, right? Which matters, especially in an expansion year. And they're ravaged by the fact that everybody's got this bar that's been set by the Las Vegas Golden Knights and you're clearly not there. Um, but holy smokes, they've got, they're getting saves. I mean, Grubauer, it's strange because Justin Williams, he, he didn't get it done in, in uh, Colorado, but Justin Williams, I think he was the backup in um, in Washington and and Willie always had this thing. He thought he was one of the best goalies he ever shot against, like Grubauer. So to see him stay healthy and do what he's doing is a huge factor. You also got to give Hackstall a lot of credit and Dave Lowry and their coaching staff. Like I literally, and I mean, I'm no Scotty Bowman, but I, I when you're up top, yep. it's really easy when you see a well-coached team to read what kind of system they're playing. And last year, I could not figure out what the Seattle Kraken were doing. It looked like somebody had taken a Yahtzee cup and thrown it out in your own defensive zone with regards to their coverage. And they are, so it's not like, Hey, they're not, you know, lined up with Selkie award winners, but they're, they're so committed uh, to their play and the pace of play and the amount of guys. Like I used to babysit all of your Bjorkstrand <laughs> in Denmark. <laughs> and yeah. I'm bleeding myself, but Holy smokes, like this guy looks reborn. And I think the game where you don't have to be a nail spitting player and you can really open it up and, it's amazing to see what they're doing, especially against the Dallas team that's noted for being pretty tight. And of course, mm -hmm. Ottinger, everybody's waiting after Ottinger's show last year. It's unheard of to see how leaky he looks yeah. and mentally leaky. Uh, like this was a guy that I just would never think would look like he had checked out last game. So hopefully they press reset there in the past. Like I was thrilled to see what Pete DeBoer and Steve Spott and their group were going to do with one of the best goalies in the world. And he's clearly got to be better for Dallas to advance here. But uh, hey, good on them. It's fun to watch. I mean, yeah. but how, I mean, you still put in your mind like, uh, ooh, Florida Panthers, Seattle Kraken. Where do you get, you know, where do you get your tickets for that Stanley Cup party? I would love to see the one that has that Vegas bet as your 
you, your picks for the Stanley Cup finals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you retire and move on to a bigger building. But they, they're the guys that – they're the teams that have, like, consistently, other than Carolina, and, I mean, I was there, so I, I've seen how they do it because Rod Brindamore, every speech he gives before, every game, and I don't know how you do it because every, every team say that coach – I guess if it's negative, teams block it out. But this guy gives a Vince Lombardi speech before every game. So very seldom do you never not see whoever they're missing, the Carolina Hurricanes, come shot out of a cannon. But to see how consistently the work ethic, the work ethic, the consistent work ethic of the Seattle Kraken and the um, Florida Panthers has been just, I got to give them full marks. It's been unbelievable, unbelievable to watch how consistently they've worked with less talent than other teams. And it would be simply, or it'd be, you tell me when you see the Leafs give you one of those 20 minute pushes that just look like, oh my God, the other team doesn't touch the puck. It's like they're plowing. Imagine if they just gave us a 45 or 50 minute effort of that with that kind of work ethic, with the skill they have. The other team would be like watching the Washington Generals, but we don't, uh, we're not getting that right now. So let's just hope. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish up with the playoff matchups here. Uh, obviously, uh, game four tonight, uh, we'll see what, uh, the, the New Jersey devils have in store. See if they have another eight goal, uh, performance in, in them, but I, I'm assuming that, uh, rod and this team will be, uh, better and they'll be more tightened up, but, uh, thoughts on what this series has been able to, to be like, it's been blowouts in every single game. Well, New Jersey. New Jersey, for me, it's the same thing. It's amazing. They're sitting there, you know, who do we go with, Schmitty, or are we going with Banachek? Because, like, Banachek, what do you have? He still had in four or five last game. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming, I mean, Roddy knows his team way better than I. Um, I know how much confidence they have in the rush, and I would assume they'll go back with Freddie, give him another pull. I mean, Ranta's, I don't know, I think Ranta might be banged up. But uh, it's just, New Jersey looks very slim. I mean, they went, it's like they stuck their toes in the water again. You were kind of thinking they were going to carry all that momentum of how great they played against New Jersey because it kind of like against the Rangers because it was like initially they had stuck their toe in the water and was like, hmm, playoffs and didn't look great and then just looked like a machine going through. So uh, the one thing is uh, Carolina, you still, you think about these teams that are like, oh my God, we're missing Matthew Nyes or oh my God, we're, you know, we're out this. They're missing. Accuretti. Shvechnikov and Teravainen, arguably three of their four, not arguably two of three, but three of their four most offensively gifted players. And they're finding ways to do this. And again, team defense, you know, everybody's chipping in offensively um, and it's fun to watch. So I wouldn't bet against them, but when Jersey gets her going, it's pretty, it's pretty unique too. I guess I would want to see a more consistent effort out of both their goaltenders be nice for somebody to rely on somebody and it should be interesting. I'm still going to take Carolina and hopefully they can remain healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm still counting on them. Um, you just, that uh, I think Rod's one of the best coaches in the game and, you know, I think their, their depth will show up here and, you know, I know that they're missing some, uh, some important players for sure. Um, shocking. Uh, I'm a bit shocked that uh, Gerard Gallant will move over to some of the head coaching positions here that, are open and see if we get some recurring names coming back. Um, are were you shocked with uh, with Jared Gallant and New York Rangers parting ways, or or is that kind of something that you maybe saw coming? Like you know, he was in the conference final last year, and I know there's um, somewhat of an upset this year against the Devils because they're the more veteran team. But uh, 
you know, my dealings with Gerard over the years has been pretty good. And uh, Doug McLean's a good friend of ours and him and Doug are, are really close too. But um, thoughts on, on Turk um, out and in New York. I love him. I mean, I, I don't, I've met him a few times, but I, I love his passion on the bench. I mean, I, I've heard sometimes the X's and O's, there's a little more passion and stir than attention to detail, but mm-hmm. and he's got a couple short end of the sticks. I mean, between getting left on the curb in Florida and then running the table with Vegas in the finals and losing your job the next year. And now, you know, whatever, being 50 games above 500, I, I guess the, the litmus tests and the bars for certain teams are a little higher than others, but I, I just would have to think something I'd heard a story. And I'm not big on stories that I don't know, but I did hear there was a bit of an altercation or shouting match between between Drury and um, and uh, and Gerard in between one of the games that might have crossed the line on a couple ends. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, again, I don't know who the perfect fit is there um, going in. I mean, everybody's starting to feel that. I mean, I, I think there's probably still three or four teams that if they don't get out of the second round, there's going to be more availabilities just based on expectations as well. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, everybody's starting to hear, you know, Joel Campbell's looking to get back in the league. Um, so I would just probably say that that's, that's probably the guy that anybody would have at the top of their list. What about Mike Babcock foods? Is he, you see him coming back into the NHL, um, circuit here as a head coach? Would he come back in a, as a consulting role? I, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. again, uh, that being said, I mean, he's, he's got a Stanley cup. He's, you know, he's won his, he's won his Canadian medals and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, when you start to write down the names, it's not a definite no, but I think it'd have to be someone that's come back with a lot of adjustments and changes to the way he communicates with players. Uh, not, he's obviously an incredibly brilliant hockey mind, but I think as we're seeing now with this new player and this day and age player that, uh, you've got to put a little bit more into your communication skills uh, to have success with these players. So. Yeah. Now I wonder, do you see a trend in a, in a change happening amongst the coaching circuit in the game where, you know, you're getting more of the Jay Woodcrofts and of that kind of type, um, you know, like obviously Luke Richardson's in there now and, you know, there's a, a few names and, you know, but there's obviously a lot of positions, you know, available right now in Washington and, you know, in, in Anaheim and now New York. And, you know, I do agree there will be some teams maybe in the second round if things don't go the way they want it to go. We'll see what happens. But are you seeing more of a younger generation and a different approach in the head coaching world? Um, and, and do you see even Daryl Sutter coming back in the circuit? Or is it, you know, he's he's at his age, he's got his money, he's got his cups. Is it more down to down to Viking and just enjoy? Uh, enjoy Daryl, I think Daryl... I think Daryl's probably finished with coaching. I mean, I don't, I mean, that's completely up to Daryl. I mean, yeah. but uh, I think certain coaches of his acumen, even Joel, to a certain extent, I think, you know, everybody had Barry Trotz as the next guy and now he's the next general manager. So uh, it, it'll be really interesting. I mean, I think there's some young coaches that are, when you start to see, you know, the Derek Lalons of the world get their opportunities, you know, there's certain coaches that are to take pride in breeding their guys to move on. Just like I know Brian Burke always used to talk about how proud he was to move his assistant general managers up the ladder, but there's guys like Joel Kembill and, and Daryl or Trotsy, they probably have more of ability that if they're coming back, they're going to pick the team. They're not really rebuild coaches. If there's a team on the cusp of winning, it might make a little bit more sense there. 
you know, Babcock would probably fall into that as well. I don't see him as a big rebuild guy. Then there's the guys like, you know, that I think really were on the upswing, like guys like Travis Green for me. Uh, you know, I think he's he's ready for another opportunity. I thought he did very well in Vancouver. I love the fact that he went through all the steps too. He didn't jump over steps, uh, which, which you know, can be done. I mean, like Murray St. Pierre has done an incredible job as well. But you start to see certain guys that are interested in coaching, like Daniel Alfredson, starting to talk about you know wanting to be a coach. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the assistants in in Calgary, both of them, have, you know, we've Kirk heard Mullers. about Ryan Huska and Kirk Muller. Um, I think a, a you know Steve Spot, Steve Ott, uh, Jeff Halpern, and is another guy for great things about in Tampa that have really you know they've been under Cooper long enough. They won a, won a couple cups and are ready to take on their own take her on on their own team and even if you look at i mean calgary i'm not sure how many years he's been there but i think his name's mitch love he's one like i was just gonna ask you about him but i've heard yeah. a lot of amazing things about him yeah, too. like but, i've heard i mean but you just look at results i mean it, he's won the calder cup of you know american league coach of the year back-to-back years i mean i'm pretty sure he'd he'd probably co uh co-write the <laughs> the yeah. award and have dustin wolf come up and stand there with him yeah <laughs> exactly anytime you're, coaching, anytime you're coaching the american hockey league with a guy with about a 980 save percentage is always looks a little better but there, there's just so many guys out there that are passionate about it and i think the biggest thing right now isn't just uh, i don't think the old i think the old school kind of over reach is uh is kind of is moved on and the, and the new player needs to be he needs to be nurtured uh he needs to be coached so it's not just everything's roses and rose petals but uh you used to say like the the throwback player i had this analogy he used to say um the guy you wanted on your team he'd go through the wall and come out on the other side you know, you, you tell him, go through a wall for me. He goes to the wall and comes out the other side. Now the guy, today's guy goes up to the wall and he stops and he says, uh, what's the wall made of? And and then he says, can I call my agent before I go through the wall? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there a lot of money on the other side of the wall? Exactly. And it's just a different game. So if you can find a blend of players that uh, can do all those things, it's, uh, it's unique. And uh, I think the more players that, can you find a blend of they're going to get their money, but they're also going to go through the wall when the time is right. You're going to have a successful group. So there's lots of candidates, shapes and sizes out there. I'm sure there's some incredible women that are ready to step into the coaching ranks as well. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of looks and, uh, and routes you can go um, uh, yeah. with, with coaching in the national hockey league. I just, again, to earn those spots, I just, I'm a little bit more excited when someone's gone through every step along the way and just isn't anointed anointed yeah uh, really doing the work that everybody else has put in yeah no it's uh it's uh, even to get like when you get that job or you get in that position it's it's quite uh quite the you know grind that you got to go through to get there and it's quite the it's i say i mean i mean i miss it so much uh and i think part of it too is is it's such a hard grind climbing the ladder and uh and it's fun because I always said, if you love working with your guys when your team's struggling, just imagine what it's going to be like when we get to the top of the mountain. But yeah. once you get to the top mountain, especially salary cap, et cetera, it's really hard to maintain, really hard to maintain, which makes what, you know, what we were able to do in Los Angeles and Chicago and more recently Tampa Bay. Um, it makes it really special to uh, to be able to have stayed at the top of the mountain and maintain it that long. Yeah. 
And uh, we'll finish up on the NHL lottery draft last night. Obviously, the Chicago Blackhawks get the first overall pick. And uh, obviously, Connor Bernard will be starting uh, his career in Chicago. Um, you know, right as Kane and Taze lean, leave, obviously, uh, we know uh, Jonathan Taze isn't coming back. Maybe uh, Patrick Kane comes back. But, uh, you know, thoughts on them getting the first overall pick and uh, a little bit of another gut punch to, to the Anaheim Ducks, unfortunately, here. But uh, they're still going to get a great player in Adam Fantilli if that's uh, the route that they go. But, uh, you know, thoughts on the lottery last night and how exciting is the lottery, um, you know, in, in your past and, uh, you know, a lot of times you guys were making the playoffs, but the t- maybe the times that it wasn't and, you know, how exciting is that as a, as an executive too? Well, quick story. It's, it's exciting. It, when, especially if the guy was only on once when they're doing the thing flip, when you're all sitting there in your, on your lounge chair, looking like a, a lifeguard waiting for them to determine the future of your. And I remember uh, my daughters were hanging up top all dressed up with their numbers. My daughters were wearing, my twins were wearing number nines and walking side by side saying that was their tribute to name Wayne Gretzky. And my oldest Hunter had a Kings jersey on and she had number 10. And when our name got pulled, we actually dropped three spots and my daughters just erupted. <laughs> it was the most embarrassing thing ever. They're like screaming, yeah, daddy, yeah, daddy. We dropped to 11, Anze Kopitar. And I'm like, girls, girls. We wanted to go Matt Green direction. We wanted to go up number two, but yeah, it was quite the humbling instance. But it was it was good. It's it's it's, it's kind of nerve wracking when you get up to the top there. I remember Dennis Patterson the one year outlasted everybody, and Philly got the top pick. But you know, there's certain places that you, as a hockey fan, feel a little bit more confident in a player like that going to Chicago. You know, they've had some some off ice issues along the way that you might. It, uh, it, it, but it, any organization, original six like that, it's great for the kid to be going to an organization that established great hockey town. Uh, but uh, you can't tell uh, you can't tell Bobby Ryan it was a gut, gut punch. But yeah, <laughs> that's, a tough, that's a tough one. I think there's part of everybody that kind of wondered what Bedard and Zegers would look like. Together. Uh, but hey, that's the roll of the dice. The, it's over and done with, and uh, onward and upward. I think the number two pick there, there. I guess this Fantelli, what I've seen and heard of him, Anaheim isn't going to lose too much sleep. No, uh, with the number two choice. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to watch him with uh, Luch and Toff and uh, some of the Calgary guys there. Yeah, Luch could really just uh, that'd be a great line. Luch, yeah. Toff, and Fantelli. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> At least nobody will go near Fantelli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody's going to go near him. So. Um, Foods, uh, all a uh, pleasure again. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, we look forward to doing it uh, on Thursday and recapping some more games and uh, talking about some more NHL news and notes stuff. We'll see what happens. Uh, tough, uh, tough blow for the Avs today with uh, Gabriel Landeskog going for uh, surgery, so he's out for uh, for all of next year. So, uh, wow. So that's uh, two years of uh, Landeskog being out, but uh, paid the ultimate ultimate sacrifice uh, to win a Stanley Cup um, and. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a tough one, but, um, you know, you play this game, like you always tell me foods, you play this game so you can meet the guy with the white gloves at the end. Um, and that's uh, a lot of it, what it's about and what these guys go through and what they put their bodies through just to have that, have that opportunity and then get that opportunity. It's quite remarkable. And you've been around it and your name's on that cup. And, and, uh, you know, I, I just can't, I can't say enough why I love this game so much and what these guys do to put their bodies through. 
it's uh, it's quite remarkable and all the best to Gabriel Landeskog and hopefully we get to see him back in the NHL very soon and he has a speedy recovery. So I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that before we sign out. Well, good. Class act from when he played in Kitchener. That's a, that's a tough one. He'll come back. He's a warrior. Yeah, he is. All right. Uh, to everyone, uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, like and subscribe us on YouTube uh, and all the other channels you guys can on uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, wherever we are. You guys can find us, uh, you know, follow Mike Fuda on his social media channels too. So uh, we look forward to uh, having you uh, back on with us later this week. And uh, everyone enjoy the next few days here of Hockey Night in Canada, playoff hockey. And uh, remember, stay kind, uh, be humble, and we'll chat with you guys very soon.